Welcome ladies to the online Bible study. This week we're looking at 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 12 through 19. Now last week Peter showed us that in verses 1 through 11 that we are no longer to live in the past before we were saved but to live our lives glorifying God in everything that we do. He showed us that Christ's return is imminent and that we are to live the rest of our life here on earth making every moment count for eternity. Now, as we look at verses 12 through 19, once again, Peter reminds us that we are to expect suffering. That as Christians, we should not think it strange when fiery trials come our way. That we are to rejoice in suffering when the suffering is for Christ's sake. Now, ladies, we need to make sure that our suffering is not because of our own sin, something that we did on our own, but because of our testimony for Jesus Christ. So let's begin our study and open our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4, and let's look at verse 12. It says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. So here Peter starts off with the word beloved. What a term of endearment. It is from the form of love that is God's divine love. So you can translate it to be divinely loved ones. Peter uses this word as a descriptive title, reminding the recipients of this letter who were at that time going through very much suffering because of persecution. He was reminding them that they were loved in the heart of God. What a beautiful, comforting thought. Being reminded of God's love for us in the midst of trials is so comforting. To know that we are his children and he takes care of us. As Peter calls them beloved, he then tells them not to be surprised or think it strange that they are going through a fiery trial. You remember as we showed a couple weeks ago that Christ tells us to expect persecution as we read in John chapter 15 verse 20 and it says remember the word that I said to you a servant is not greater than his master if they persecuted me they will also persecute you. So it's not something that is out of the norm for a Christian, right? Peter says, concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. Fiery literally means a burning. The word used here refers to a smeltering furnace where gold and silver are purified. What a perfect description of what going through fiery trials does to us. It is a purifying experience. Picture this. Refining gold from the ore involves a process in which the ore is tried or melted in order to separate pure gold from the other elements. It is a very complex process where all the impurities are removed. Peter tells us here that it is a fiery trial that is to try you. So seeing what the true meaning of the word here is, it helps us 
that it is a refining process rather than a divine judgment. It is going to strengthen our faith as we lean on Jesus Christ. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6-7, to it says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now Peter creates no illusions for Christians under his care, does he? God's plan for your life often, but not always, includes pain and hardship. When trouble comes, we are not to be surprised. He writes, it's normal. As we suffer for Christ's sake, our lives will be refined and our faith strengthened. Now the word happened here in verse 12 is important. It means to go together. So persecution and trials do not just happen in the sense of being accidents. They are a part of God's plan and he is in control. Nothing is out of God's sphere. Not only did Peter tell us not to think of the fiery trials as strange, but he exhorts us to rejoice in the fact that they can be partakers of Christ's suffering. Let's look at verse 13. It reads, But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Now, I'm not going to kid you, it's not always easy to rejoice when we are persecuted, is it? No one likes to be ridiculed, mocked, imprisoned, or even called upon to face death. But in this passage, Peter gives us reasons to rejoice. First, he says, Rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. Christ was rejected by men because he lived and proclaimed the righteousness of salvation of God. So when we suffer for following Christ, for living and proclaiming the righteousness of salvation of God, we are sharing in Christ's suffering. We are denying ourselves and suffering for God and His righteousness, just as Christ did. We become identified with Christ, associated with Him in the deepest devotion possible. The very sacrifice of ourselves for the cause of God and His glorious salvation. Second, Peter tells us that no matter how great our sufferings may be, we can look forward to the time of Christ's return, when His glory shall be revealed. Peter goes on to say, we will be glad with exceeding joy. Now as we go through trials, we can have joy, because we know that God is working out the circumstances for our good. We know that whatever suffering we are going through now, will only be for a little while because Christ is going to return and take us home to be with him. Sometimes we have postponed pleasures. We pay a price today in order to have enjoyments in the future, right? For example, when you have not exercised for a while, isn't it hard to go out and walk on that treadmill, lift those weights? It's painful. 
But if you keep your mind on the goal of getting fit, we can continue on and receive the reward in the end. Warren Wearsby used the example of a piano student who may not enjoy practicing scales hour by hour, but he looks forward to the pleasure of playing beautiful music one day. Ladies, as Christians, we may suffer now for the sake of Christ, but one day we will live with God forever. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 14 says, If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. Peter encourages us that we are blessed as we suffer for Christ's sake. The blessing takes on the form of the Spirit of glory and of God resting on them. The Holy Spirit infuses us with a deep, intense consciousness of the Lord's presence in our life. This is the joy unspeakable and full of glory that Peter wrote about in chapter 1, verses 7 through 8. In suffering for Christ, we can have an inward peace and joy. As we saw a couple of weeks ago, that God was with us through that fiery trial, just like the Hebrew boys who were cast into the fiery furnace. Christ was with them and protected them, didn't he? We see this in Daniel chapter 3. Then in Daniel chapter 6, we see how Daniel was thrown into into a den of lions because of his beliefs and practices. But God delivered him also. David constantly in the book of Psalms cried out to the Lord for deliverance from his enemies. And then when Stephen was stoned to death because of his beliefs, he saw Jesus Christ in heaven at the right hand side of God and he experienced God's glory in Acts chapter 7. Now, another person who greatly suffered for Christ's sake was Paul. Paul penned about some of his persecutions in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 30. Fellow Jews had beaten Paul with 39 lashes on five different occasions. Now the law of Moses limited such punishment to 40 blows, but Jewish custom permitted only 39 because they didn't want to go against the law. If they miscounted, it would mean that they were humiliated. As it says in Deuteronomy 25.3, 40 blows he may give him and no more, lest he should exceed this and beat him with many blows above these, and your brother be humiliated in your sight. So they only allowed the 39 lashes, just to make sure in case they miscounted. Now the Gentiles also sentenced Paul to a beating with rods three different times. He was stoned by his own people. At Lystra, Jewish rebels persuaded a mob to illegally stone Paul. And afterward, they dragged him outside the city, leaving him for dead, as we see in Acts chapter 14. He was shipwrecked, and many of his journeys he faced dangers. 
As we see in Acts 20, verse 23, it says, Except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. Now, you can go on and on talking about Paul's sufferings for Christ. The point to note is Paul's faithfulness through all his sufferings. Nothing turned him away from Christ or his ministry. Christ had called him to preach and minister, and he would not stop except by death. Ladies, we need to evaluate our lives and make sure that we can say with Paul, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith in 2 Timothy 4.7. Peter makes it clear in verses 15 to 16 of 1 Peter chapter 4 that we are to suffer for Christ's sake, not for sinful acts. Christ is glorified as we suffer in his name. Let's read those verses. It says, But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, or evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this manner. When we suffer, are we suffering for Christ's sake? Or for something we have caused in and of ourselves. We should not be ashamed to say we are Christians, to be identified with Christ. Instead, our lives should glorify God. You can see Peter's growth here. He didn't want Christians to make the same error he did and suffer the consequences he did. We are reminded of Peter's own denial of Christ, right? In Luke chapter 22, when Peter feared for his life and denied knowing Christ. Here, Peter has grown in his Christian walk and is exhorting us to not be ashamed to glorify God by standing up for him. It was this determination not to be ashamed that encouraged Paul when he went to Rome, as we see in Romans 1, when he suffered in Rome, as we see in Philippians chapter 1, and then when he faced martyrdom in Rome, as we see in Second Timothy. Scripture makes it very clear that as Christians, if we are living a godly life, we will be persecuted. Notice how Peter describes the lost as we read verses 17 through 18. It says, for the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God, and if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? And notice this is quoting Proverbs 11.31. He describes the lost as those who do not obey the gospel of God. Now the argument of these verses is very clear. If God sends a fiery trial to his own children and they are scarcely saved, what will happen to lost sinners when God's fiery trials come and fall upon them? Instead of being concerned about ourselves, we need to be concerned about those lost sinners around us. Our present fiery trial is nothing compared to the flaming fire that shall punish the lost when Jesus Christ returns in judgment. We need to be looking for opportunities to witness to the lost around us. 
Now Peter concludes this chapter with a command that we commit our lives to God. Let's read verse 19. It says, Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to Him in doing good, as to the faithful Creator. The words commit their souls is in the present imperative active mode, meaning that this is a command which involves a continuous or repeated action. So we are to continuously commit our lives to doing good. Those who are experiencing that fiery trial are urged to commit and keeping of their souls, which is their life, their heart, their mind, to God. The Greeks use this word in banking. It means to make a deposit. Now Peter urged the believers to place their lives in God's safe keeping. Our suffering is according to the will of God, who has allowed our suffering in order to purify our lives. Therefore we can commit ourselves to Him with confidence, knowing that He created us and is faithful to fulfill His plan in our lives. Now this picture reminds us that we are valuable to God. He made us, redeemed us, lives in us, guards us, and protects us. So when you invest your life with God, you have nothing to fear, for He is able to keep you. We have no need to worry. He is the faithful Creator, right? And His faithfulness will not fail. Ladies, next week we are going to start chapter 5. So we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 5 as we look at the first four verses. Until then, God bless.